Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to Canadian Solar's second quarter 2023 earnings conference call. My name is Melissa, and I will be your operator for today's call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded for replay purposes. I would now like to turn the call over to Isabel Zhang, IR Director at Canadian Solar. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. And welcome, everyone, to Canadian Solar's second quarter 2023 conference call. Please note that we have provided slides to accompany today's conference call, which are available on Canadian Solar's Investor Relations website, within the Events and Presentation section. Joining us today are Dr. Sean Chu, Chairman and CEO, Yen Zhong, President of Canadian Solar's majority-owned subsidiary, CSI Solar, Dr. Huifeng Chan, Senior VP and CFO, and Ismail Guerrero, Corporate VP and CEO of Canadian Solar's wholly-owned subsidiary, Recurrent Energy, also formerly Global Energy. All company executives will participate in the Q&A session after management's formal remarks. On this call, Sean will go over some key messages for the quarter. Yen and Ismail will respectively review the highlights of the CSI Solar and Recurrent Energy businesses, followed by Huifeng, who will go through the financial results. Sean will conclude the prepared remarks with the business outlook, after which we will have time for questions. Before we begin, may I remind listeners the management's prepared remarks today, as well as their answers to questions, will contain forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties. The company claims the protection of the safe harbor for forward-looking statements that is contained in the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Actual results may differ from management's current expectations. Any projections of the company's future performance represent management's estimates as of today. Canadian Solar assumes no obligation to update these projections in the future unless otherwise required by applicable law. A more detailed discussion of the risks and uncertainties can be found in the company's annual report on Form 20F filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Management's prepared remarks will be presented within the requirements of SEC Regulation G regarding generally accepted accounting principles or GAAP. Some financial information presented during the call will be provided on both a GAAP and a non-GAAP basis. By disclosing certain non-GAAP information, management intends to provide investors with additional information to permit further analysis of the company's performance and underlying trends. Management uses non-GAAP measures to better assess operating performance and to establish operational goals. Non-GAAP information should not be viewed by investors as a substitute for data prepared in accordance with GAAP. And now, I would like to turn the call over to Canadian Solar's Chairman and CEO, Dr. Sean Chi. Sean, please go ahead. Thank you, Isabel. Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. Please turn to slide three. We achieved a strong financial and operating result in the second quarter of uh, 2023. We delivered record module shipments of 8.2 gigawatt with $2.4 billion in revenue and gross margin at 18.6%. Importantly, we delivered record total net income for Canadian solar shareholders of 
and seventy million dollars, or two dollars and thirty-three cents per diluted share. Let me share a few key Q2 messages before Yan, Isabel, and Huifeng review our performance in more detail. Please turn to slide four. First, we successfully completed the IPO of our CSI Solar subsidiary on the Shanghai Stock Exchange Star Board. This was a major achievement for us, and I would like to thank our entire team for their efforts in reaching this goal. Investor demand was strong, and we raised approximately $975 million in gross proceeds, 70% more than our original target. These funds will be used to support our growth plans across both our solar and energy storage businesses, including our strategic investment in vertical integration to further drive technology and cost improvements. This is the latest example of how we are building long-term value for the company and shareholders. Please turn to slide five. Second, under the backdrop of the Inflation Reduction Act, we continue to strengthen our competitive position in the US, one of our co-markets. In June, we announced the establishment of a solar PV module production facility in Texas. This plant will have an annual output of five gigawatt and represents an investment of over $250 million. Production is expected to begin near the end of this year with approximately 1,500 no, 1, skill jobs created once fully ramped, fully ramped up. We are proud to be embarking on these growth initiatives with long-term partners such as EDF Renewable, with whom we signed a multi-year module supply agreement of seven gigawatt of high efficiency untied Topcon solar modules. We expect this to be the first of many important partnerships. We also continue to solidify our market position in the US in downstream project development business. Recurrent Energy is developing some of the most valuable solar and battery energy storage projects, including the 1.2 gigawatt hour Papago 
standalone storage project in Arizona. At the same time, our e-storage team will be supplying the equipment integration services and the long-term services for PepperGo. This is another great example of how we focus on capturing more value of each project over its lifetime. Of our 6.6 .6 gigawatt of solar PV development pipelines in the US, we have over two gigawatt of projects with interconnection agreements, of which 45% are cited in energy communities. Likewise, 45% of our advanced storage pipelines in US are also cited in energy communities. We see significant potential in the US market, particularly after the passing of the IRA, and will continue to build on our competitive. Hello? Hello? Am I still online? Hello? Yes, you're still on. I'm still alive, right? Okay. All right. We see significant potential in the U.S. market, potentially, particularly after the passing of the IRA, and will continue to build on our competitive position and track record in this market. Lastly, turning to slide six, I would like to highlight Canadian Solar's latest annual ESG sustainability report, which we published a few weeks ago. This year, we made significant improvements in our systems and disclosures. We hope the report will serve as a transparent account of our efforts to integrate sustainability and ethics into every aspect of our business. For example, we significantly expanded our participation in international ESG initiatives and certifications. We are now supporters of United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and recently joined the United Nations Sustainable Development and, uh, and recently joined the UN Global Compact committing to support and adhere to the 10 principle of the UNGC on human rights, labor, environment, and anti-corruption. We also submitted our commitment letter to SBTI, our uh, science-based targets initiative. This indicates our intention to set the near-term 
net zero science-based climate targets. We also continue to ensure that our own operations, as well as those of our suppliers, follow ethical labor practices. I'm grateful that these efforts have not gone unnoticed. Having received a prime ESG rating from Institutional Fairholder Services, or ISS, and an excellent ESG rating from Archives, from Archives. With that, let me turn over to Yan, who will provide more details on our CSI solar business. Yan, please go ahead. Thanks, John. Uh, please turn to slide seven. Uh, in Q2, the CSI solar division delivered 8.2 gigawatt of solar module shipments and $2 billion in revenue. This is a record quarter, as it's the first time we're crossing the $2 billion mark. Gross margin was 14.3%, down around 4.2 uh, percentage points, quarter over quarter. This included a $31 million inventory write-down, driven by the sharp decline in raw material costs. Without the write-down, gross margin would have been 15.8%. Let me go over the key drivers behind these numbers. Please turn to slide eight. First, while you can see that polysilicon prices declined significantly during the quarter, wafer and cell prices have not fallen nearly as much as polysilicon. Note that we ended last year with 20 gigawatt of cell capacity despite expecting 30 to 35 gigawatt of module shipments. This means that our non-vertically integrated capacity was not the most optimal from a cost standpoint. We're working to improve this meaningfully as we ramp up cell and wafer capacity in the second half of 2023. In the meantime, we're restricting our procurement of third-party cells in order to protest uh, in order to protect margins before our cell capacity is fully ramped up. Second, which is perhaps the larger factor, is the decline in module prices. This was mainly driven by the distributed generation segment across most regions, and just specifically the residential sector. Overall, market inventory levels are higher than usual and that has led to de-stocking. We expect to see improvement in the DG segment as we move through the second half of 2023, once the de-stocking is complete. We also saw some utility-scale customers pause or even delay orders given the sharp pricing declines. 
Despite the near-term pricing volatility and destocking, we remain very confident given the strong demand across nearly every market. And we are already starting to see polysilicon prices rebounding over the past few weeks. Projects can only be delayed for so long before they start to incur liquidated damages. And the development pipeline we see in the market has eclipsed previous levels. Near term, based on the factors I've just mentioned, we expect the market to improve as we move through the second half of 23. Third, our logistics costs continued to decline in Q2, mostly driven by lower logistic costs in China. We've also been locking in shipping contracts when they're lower to protect ourselves from any increase as the market rebounds. Combined with our higher operating leverage, our operating profit nearly doubled year over year to $119 million. Actually, moving into Q3, we already see that the uh, gross margin is improving. Uh, so uh, moving into Q4, we uh, expect a further improvement. Turning into slide nine, we made the strategic decision to rebrand our utility-scale turnkey energy storage business under our new e-storage brand, which we believe more clearly articulates our business. In the second quarter of 2023, we signed approximately $630 million in new bookings. As of the end of Q2, we had a contracted backlog of $2.1 billion, including contracts under long-term service agreements. We expect shipments will ramp up significantly in the second half of 2023, as we complete our planned transition from a white label product into our own manufactured products. Importantly, even our bookings and the 26 gigawatt hour of total pipeline, we believe e-storage is firmly on track to become a billion dollar business in 2024. I'm very proud of our e-storage team for achieving such impressive growth in just three years. Now, let me pass the call to Ismail for an overview of recurrent energy, Canadian Solar's global project development business. Ismail, please go ahead. Thank you, Jan. Please turn to slide 10. In Q2, we delivered $360 million in revenue with a 43.9% gross margin, mainly driven by the tail of our flagship 100 megawatts Asumaco Fuji project in Japan. As previously guided, Q2 was one of our largest quarters in terms of revenue and profit. We are now concentrating more of our efforts on executing projects to hold them long-term as opposed to monetizing them immediately in the short term. In particular, 
we are going to be building several gigawatts of projects over the next few quarters, specifically in Europe and the U.S., where we believe we can capture higher value by remaining as the long-term asset owner and operator. Please turn to slide 11. As of June 30th, our total pipeline is 2.25 gigawatts for solar and 52 gigawatt hours for battery storage projects. We are being more selective in originating more PV pipeline, as our current pipeline is significantly mature and give us a strong visibility for execution and growth over the next few years. On the storage side, we continue to originate projects, focusing on regions where solar penetration is high and grid reliability risks are also relatively high. We remain far ahead of the industry in terms of track record, market understanding, and positioning. We are very confident that we can execute on this pipeline to build increased value for the company and shareholders. Please turn to slide 12. Over the past few years, we've seen significant inflation in capex costs and increases in cost of capital, which combined have driven PPA prices higher. Demand has been very strong due to the large influx of new players who were attracted by competitive economics as well as their interest to secure electricity needs through clean and reliable sources. According to SBTA data, at the end of 2020, 620 companies had publicly pledged to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. In less than three years, this number has grown to over 5,800 companies, a growth of more than 9x. Yet, the lineup of good quality projects in the market remains scarce. Over the past three years, Ricardo Energy signed over 2 gigawatts of PPAs in late-stage pre-construction projects. In addition, we have approximately 1.5 gigawatts of PPA contracts in advanced negotiations in the U.S. and Europe for projects that are expected to be held longer term. Take the U.S. market as an example. Our long-term positioning and ability to develop high-quality clean energy assets has allowed us to successfully raise U.S. PPA prices by approximately 20 to 40 percent. And as Sean mentioned earlier, among the 6.6 gigawatts of solar PV development pipeline in the U.S., we have over 2 gigawatts of projects with interconnection agreements of which 45% are site energy communities. In addition, 45% of our advanced storage pipeline in the US is also site in energy communities. Thanks to the IRA, we expect to monetize the ITC in a significant part of our projects. This includes the recently signed Papago standalone storage project in Arizona of 1.2 gigawatt hours which will help the state meet surging electricity demand. We expect the IRA to support more flagship projects like this, and we will continue to work relentlessly to execute and deliver on them to serve our customer needs. Now, let me pass it on to Huyufan, who will go through the financial results in more detail. Huyufan, please go ahead. Thanks, Ishmael. Please turn to slide 13. In Q2, we delivered $2.4 billion in revenue, up 39% quarter over quarter, and up 2% year over year. 
Growth margin was 18.6%, a small sequential decrease of six basis points. Growth margin was driven by lower ASPs and an inventory write-down due to the sharp decline in raw material costs, offset by high margin product sales. Without the inventory write-down, gross margin would have been 19.9%. Selling and the distribution expenses were flat quarter over quarter, despite the significant increase in shipment volume, reflecting our operating leverage and a further decline in unit logistical costs. General and administrative expenses increased mainly due to a $36 million share-based compensation expense related to the CSI sole IPO. We expect to amortize the remaining roughly $25 million of IPO expense over the coming quarters. Overall, the 39% of revenue growth far outpaced the 26% increase in OPEX as we achieve greater scale and operating leverage in our business. The net foreign exchange and the derivative gain in the second quarter was $34 million, mainly driven by the stronger US dollar relative to the Chinese RMB. Total net income was $198 million, with net income attributable to Canadian sovereign shareholders at $170 million, or diluted EPS of $2 and 39 cents. Now, turning to the cash flow and balance sheet. Next slide, please. In Q2, we generated approximately $290 million in operating cash and spent around $280 million in CapEx. Our four-year 2023 CapEx expectation remains unchanged at approximately $1.5 billion. We ended the period with a higher total cash balance of $3.3 billion and a total debt of $3.3 billion. Our leverage as measured in net debt to EBITDA, excluding restricted cash, was at 1.4 times, the lowest it has been in many years. As you can imagine, we have deployed the cash raised from the CSI sole IPO towards growth projects and therefore expect the future leverage to increase slightly towards a more normal level. Now, let me pass it back to Sean, who will conclude with our guidance and the business outlook. Sean, please go ahead. Thanks, uh, Hui Fong. Let's turn to slide 15. For the third quarter of 2023, we expect solar module shipments by CSI Solar to be in the range of 8.5 to 8.7 gigawatt, including approximately 30 megawatt to recurrent energy projects. Total revenue are expected to be in a range of $1.9 to $2.1 billion. Gross margin is expected to be between 
17.5 to 19.5%. This reflects a margin improvement um, in CSI solar offset by a lower contribution from recurrent energy comparing to Q2. For the full year of 2023, we reiterate CSI Solar's total solar module shipment guidance to be in a range of 30 to 35 gigawatt. And CSI Solar's battery storage shipment to be between 1.8 to 2 gigawatt hours, representing this year's transition from white label to own manufactured product. Full year 2023 revenue is expected to be between 8.5 to 9 billion, mainly due to the rapid decline in solar module prices. Well, we ex expect the industry to remain highly competitive. Canadian Solar's uh, successful IPO of our CSI Solar subsidiary, strong balance sheet, and global brand position us to achieve profitable growth and create lasting value for our shareholders. With that, I would now like to open the call to your questions. Operator. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Our first question comes from the line of Brian Lee with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking the questions. Appreciate the time. Um, I guess the first question was just on the gross margin guidance here. I know you're not giving the specific numbers, but um, one, are you assuming any additional inventory adjustments in the Q3 margin guidance for CSI Solar? And then two, if you're not, which, which I presume you're not, um, how would CSI Solar uh, gross margins look in the Q3 guidance relative to the um, – uh, the sort of normalized margin you would have printed in 2Q if it wasn't for the um, for the adjustment. I think you said 19% X the adjustment. How, how is CSI Solar uh, gross margins expected to trend relative to that um, adjusted number in uh, in 3Q? Uh, yeah, Brian. I would answer your first question. Uh, we don't expect uh, any significant inventory. Uh, adjustment for Q3. Now I would let Yen to comment on your second question, Yen. Hi. Uh, so uh, uh, in Q3, uh, I, I think uh, uh, most of the uh, revenue is going to come from CFI Solar. So. Uh, so that uh, gross margin that we provided for Q3 really indicates uh, an improvement of uh, the gross margin of CSI Solar. 
Okay, so I mean so, the midpoint's you know, eighteen it, and a half, and you did. I, I guess yeah. the midpoint's eighteen and a half, and you did nineteen x the adjustment, so maybe it's flat to down a little bit. Is is what you're inferring here? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And then maybe just you know looking beyond three Q, because I know you guys have a lot of visibility given how you um, book out to you know multiple quarters in advance kind of sense for in this declining pricing environment where you see ASPs trending and margins also for CSI Solar in Q4 and then maybe into early next year if you've already started coding activity there? Oh, uh, it's a big question. Oh, Yen, you want to comment first? Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, first of all, everybody would agree that in Q4, the demand will come much stronger. So overall demand. And that includes include both uh, the DG market, especially the residential market, has been really down uh, since Q2, uh, you know, uh, almost globally. Uh, so that uh, uh, after the destocking, as we mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, moving to Q4 is going to come back. And the utility scale is going to have a rush in Q4 as well. So we're going to see a very strong demand. And uh, so uh, that may cause certain rebound on the upstream, uh, uh, upstream cost. Uh, uh, however, at the same time, uh, we, we are observing uh, a rapid ramping up of a top count sell capacity. Because uh, sell, capacity, sell price has been staying high uh, in Q2 and until now. So moving to Q4, we're going to see more supply, significantly more supply on, on top sales in the industry. So, uh, so we 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 think uh, uh, we're going to see uh, it's going to be a rebalancing time. But uh, Q4, although it's uncertain, but uh, we see a chance for improvement. And uh, also for Canadian solo in specific, uh, we have a, a pipeline of uh, utility scale storage projects that that's going to be uh, you know we're going to start to ship into in second half, and most of that volume is going to be in Q4. Uh, so uh, uh, so you know uh, so I think uh, the worst uh, may have uh, passed. Okay. Fair enough. And, and maybe two last ones, and I'll pass it on. Uh, I, I jumped on late, so maybe I missed it. But um, did you provide any update on the plan to, you know, ship one-third of 2023 volume as Topcon technology? And then also, I, I think you delayed um, the cell and module capacity expansion um, from 1Q24 to 4Q24, if I see the – if I'm reading the press release correctly. Could you maybe speak to what's driving that and, and what the um, – expected ramp is from March to to um, to December? Is it going to be linear, or how should we model that? Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, Brian, this is a shock. Uh, we didn't delay any of our solar cell project. Uh, however, uh, right now, the uh, equipment supply is quite tight. Also, some of the crucial parts, for example, the quartz tubes, not only the quartz uh, crucible, but the quartz tubes supply is also tight. So uh, as uh, people are moving, uh, switching from Perk to Topcon, there are some uh, uh, lease and bounds, I would say. Uh, but our target is still the uh, same. Uh, we are that we are ramping up about uh, 30 to 40 gigawatt 
of top car uh, as we speak. Uh, we have close to 20 gigawatt of perk capacity right now. And as I said, we are ramping up around 30 to 40 gigawatt of car as we speak. Yes, so after that, we will have uh, two thirds. Once we finish that ramp up, uh, two thirds of our capacity will be uh, will be uh, top car. And uh, we also we also plan another uh, project, uh, top car project, a 10 gigawatt project. And so uh, altogether, by that's why by end of uh, next year, you'll see around 60 to 70 gigawatt of uh, top car. Uh, it's not the ramp up is not linear linear because once you complete the facility, you'll start to uh, install those machines. And so once the machines are, are tuned up, then you will see uh, a, a bump of the uh, uh, you know uh, a leap of the uh, of the uh, uh, cell capacity. Yeah, and uh, in Q4, our uh, top count capacity is going to be uh, significantly higher than Q3, and uh, therefore the top count shipment in Q4 is also much higher. Uh, so as Sean mentioned, it's not a linear, it's a jump in Q4. Okay, thanks for all the color, guys. I'll pass it on. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to join the question queue, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from the line of Philip Shen with Roth MKM. Please proceed with your question. Hi, guys. This is Matt on for Phil. Thank you for taking the questions. First, I just wanted to ask, uh, when shipping to the U.S. market this year, have any of your modules been detained by CBP yet in 23? And then secondly, on a different topic, for the U.S. module facility uh, that you guys have announced, where do you expect to source the cells and wafers for that facility? And then are there eventually plans to have U.S. seller wafer, and what would it take to make that decision? Yeah, Matt, this is Sean. I'll answer this question. Uh, in 2023, we uh, haven't had any of our modules detained by CPP. And uh, second, uh, uh, we will use our Thailand uh, solar cell facility to supply to the uh, our factory factory in Mesquite, Mesquite, uh, uh, the county of Dallas. And uh, we are looking to the feasibility of uh, a, uh, a solar cell factory uh, in the United States. Okay, thank you for the color there. I'll pass it along. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Colin Rush with Oppenheimer. Please proceed with your question. Thanks so much, guys. You know, could you give us a sense of how the, the shipping expenses are going to trend through the, the balance of the year uh, and, and the full impact on uh, the, the SG&A? We think about the, the operating leverage uh, as, we, as we go forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you want to comment on this question? The shipping expansion and its full impact on SGNA. Uh, yes, so uh, uh, the shipping cost has came down in Q2, 
And in Q3 is uh, kind of a stabilizing, and uh, some lines may go up. Some lines, you know, most most are stabilizing, and we're actually, uh, as we mentioned, uh, as I mentioned before, we sign we're signing uh, 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 a long-term contract to secure the ship shipping space at low cost. So uh, uh, we believe that our shipping cost will remain uh, at lower level. So uh, we're helping uh, continue to, you know, to help on our uh, SGNA. Okay, I'll, I'll take the rest offline. And then on the battery side, you know, there's there's an awful lot happening from a battery chemistry perspective, as well as pack design perspective. Can you talk about the the cadence of evolution of your your products and how much R&D or, or incremental design changes are being? implemented uh, right now and kind of the evolution of that as you as you look at your uh, your pipeline or are you really locked in with chemistry and design on that pipeline at this point and the, the R&D and product development is, is going to be ongoing and, and more in the future uh, you know future focused effort yeah as you know uh, we use the uh, LFP battery mainly use the uh, the LFP battery to uh, construct our um, battery energy uh, storage system. Our uh, main product, uh, the our killer product right now, is the three megawatt hour uh, soap bank. And, uh, but we are uh, uh, developing new product. Uh, now, we are not releasing the new stock yet. But the new product uh, will have much higher uh, power density, but also uh, much higher uh, safety. And uh, so uh, uh, in terms of the chemistry, uh, we, uh, we believe in the uh, lithium, uh, uh, lithium battery uh, chemist chemistry. So we're not uh, uh, looking for any major change. On the uh, on the chemistry yet, but we are developing uh, designer develop a new product. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you. Once again, as a final reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause a moment to allow for any other questions. At this time, I'm not showing any other questions. I'll turn the floor back to Canadian Solar CEO, Dr. Sean Chu. Please go ahead. Dr. Yeah, Chu, did you uh, Thank you. And thank, right. Thank you. And thank everyone for joining us today and also for your continued support. And if you have any other questions or would like to set up a call, please contact our investor relations team. And uh, have a great rest of the summer and uh, take good care. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.